How many of you know that Israel had some enemies? Well, Israel still got some enemies. But there was a time where it looked as if the children of Israel were doomed. There were armies that were gathered against them. We could say that they were in a very unstable situation. This morning, I want to give you a recipe for stability in an unstable circumstance. Amen. The world that we live in, how many of you know it's shaky ground? It really is. And so our foundation really needs to be established and solid on the Lord Jesus Christ. The other day I was working out and one of the trainers came up to me and said, what do you think about 2012? And I said, well, uh, have you been reading after the Mayans or listening to that? And he said, yes. He says, not only have I been listening to that, but I've been reading my Bible and I've been looking at different religions and what they have to say. What do you think? Well, the first thing that I think is that we need to go to the true source of truth. Amen. The truth, true source of truth is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So I talked to him a little bit, you know, and I'm going to get him some information and talk to him a little bit further. And then I testified to him about, you know, the tornado that went through Branson and that it almost took us out. But thank God, God protected us. And so I testified to the goodness of God. And so the lady on my right says, well, that's, that's quite a conversation you were having. I said, yeah, it is. And I talked to her about the goodness of God a little bit. Talked to her about the last days. But the same thing, it is on people's mind what is happening in the world. Well, what's happening in the world is very shaky. It's a very unstable economy. It's an unstable world that we live in. But I'm so glad that I've received a king, and I'm part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. We cannot be moved. Amen? Amen? We cannot be moved. We are not going under. We are going over. That's, right. That's because the Bible says we are not beneath, that we are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Amen? And so it's very, very important that as Christians, we carry ourselves in a manner, in a way that will testify to the goodness of God. And listen, there's a lot of Christians that are unstable. There are many people that are, are up one day and down the next. My brothers and sisters, that is not the will of God. And that is not the plan of God for our lives to be wishy-washy, to be cruisomatics one day in and one day out. We need to be all the way in and go all in with God in this day and this hour. Amen? No, no, nothing else will stand. Nothing else will endure the tests of time. But oh, thank God, we've got the greater one on the inside of us. Say it with me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12, we notice our text. Notice this with me. He says, our God wilt thou now judge them, those who are coming against them. For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's the first principle that I want to talk to you about, that our eyes must absolutely, positively be fixed upon Him. My Bible says that we are to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. The Amplified says, look away from everything and anyone that would distract us and keep your eyes fixed and settled upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
Our eyes are on you, is what they said. Our eyes should not be on each other. Our eyes should not be on this preacher or that preacher. Our eyes need to be firmly fixed upon him. See, over and over again in the word of God, you will see the concept of the word eyes upon him. I already quoted Hebrews 12, 2 to you. But I want you to notice in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says this. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear to my sayings. Notice with me. Let them, my words, not depart from before thine eyes. Why? Keep them in the midst of thy heart. For my words are life unto those that do what? My words are life unto those that find them. And health or medicine to all their flesh. Let me give you a little advice and a little side journey. You know, once you've been in the Word of God for a number of years, the Spirit of God will bring to your remembrance scriptures. And you'll get to a place where you can quote the Word. And I believe that quoting the rhema of God is very important. But there's also great value in refreshing yourself in the Word that you can quote by finding it. By looking up the scriptures. And letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. As a matter of fact, it is awesome to meditate in the word. See, he said in Joshua, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. See, when you get into the Word of God, you'll begin to see some things. Your eyes will see the light of God's Word. And in the light of God's Word, and in the light of His countenance, you will begin to see more light. Psalm 123 verse 1 says this. He said, unto thee, I'll lift up my eyes. Unto the author and finisher of our faith, I will lift up my eyes. My eyes are on Him. Our trust is in Him. And that's exactly what the children of Israel were facing. They were facing a great army that was to come against them. But they didn't get nervous in the service. They didn't fall out just because a weapon was going to be formed against them. They looked under the hills from whence came their help. And in this day and in this hour, we must look unto Him, for He is our solid foundation. Amen. Can you say amen in the house today? You see, we know someone, and we have someone on the inside of us that never changes. God never changes. Jesus Christ is, in fact, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You cannot say that about GM. You cannot say that about Citibank. You can't say that about some of these wolves that call themselves husbands. Uh Uh-oh. Everything around us is changing. But we have got a covenant that never changes. You see, when we say that God never changes and Jesus never changes... We could also say that the Word of God never changes. You see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Say this with me, God God 
and his word are one. So when we say that God never changes and that Jesus never changes, we can also say that his word never changes. We have an everlasting God, an everlasting covenant, and we can trust and we can rely on it every day of our lives. Aren't you grateful that he never changes? No matter what CNN may say this afternoon. No matter what NBC may say tomorrow morning. I wake up in the morning and I look at the scripture and I look into the perfect law of liberty with a steadfast gaze and I know that my Redeemer lives. That He has redeemed me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. That I am not just redeemed, praise God, but I have been brought out of darkness and into the blessing of Abraham. Oh, somebody help me preach today. Morning by morning, His Word never changes. Now look with me at Deuteronomy 33, if you would please, verse 27. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. Notice with me, the eternal God, not the God who was, not the God who will be sometime, but the eternal God. The word eternal there means the perpetual God, the never ceasing God, or the God without end. The eternal God. That's my God. Amen? That's my God. The eternal God is my God. I get excited when I hear the Apostle Paul say, My God. My God. Well, thank God for T.D. Jake's God. Thank God for Billy Graham's God. Thank God for Kenneth Copeland's God. But the same God that is their God is our God. And thank God what he's done for others. I can dance what he's done for others. But oh, glory to God. I know the same God that you know. And my God is no respecter of persons. And it sends a thrill in my spirit when the Apostle Paul says, My God shall supply half your needs. Most of many way. No, thank God my God supplies all your need. All your need. And that's just not in the area of finances. When God said that he will supply all your need, he'll supply all your emotional need. He will supply your every need from A to Z. That's the kind of God we serve. And he'll do it according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So now notice this in Deuteronomy 3.27. The eternal God, the everlasting God, is my refuge. The word refuge means our protector. It means our safe place, our covering. You know, when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we're the safest of the safe. And so the eternal God is our eternal refuge. No matter what you may face, you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus can run into that safe place with God and you can know and understand that you will never ever be put down because God is going to lift you up. And the Bible says, He is your refuge, and I love this, and underneath are those everlasting arms. Oh, hallelujah. He's got you. You may fall, but underneath are those everlasting arms. He's there to pick you up. You know, you can't say about everyone's arms that they're everlasting. I mean, some of these guys out there, you know, they'll say, baby, baby, baby. 
one day and they'll say, bye, 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 baby, the next. Are you listening to me? You know, there was that old song of loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. That's the devil. I said, that's the devil. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. How about this? Reverse it. You see, everything the devil has where God's word is reciprocal. How about turning that around? Since loving you is right, I'm never going to be wrong. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. See, these arms right here have held this beautiful woman, Brenda Thomas, my wife, for 35 years. Amen. But think about 35 years compared to the everlasting God. Our eternal refuge underneath are those everlasting arms. Say it with me. God's got me. Oh, God's got me. He is the eternal God. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Right through verse 19. Now unto the king eternal. He's immortal. He's invisible. The only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Our God is the only wise God. When I don't know what to do, he does. And verse 18 says this. It says. Verse 18. First Timothy chapter one, verse 18. Now, and Okay. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that by them you might war a good fair. Now notice verse 19, I want you to see this. Holding faith and a good conscience. Listen, friend, when you get a revelation that he's your eternal God, that he's your everlasting father, and that his mercy endures forever, you can hold fast to your faith In the midst of an unstable time. In the midst of an unstable, glory to God, economy. Amen? You see, my Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, that the grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of the Lord, what will it do? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Look at this, Isaiah 40, verse 8. I want you to see that. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 8th verse. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of the Lord shall do what? Read it again. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Famines come and famines go. But the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Sickness may come. Sickness will go. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Recession may come. And recession may go. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Come on somebody. Oh glory to God. His word is forever settled in heaven. Therefore it is our responsibility to to establish it here on the earth. Say it with me. The word of God. God. It stands firm. That's what the message translation says. It says our God stands firm. The word firm means unyielding. It also means it will never cave in. 
people cave in, but his word never does. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Turn me to Jeremiah chapter 17 now. And let's look at verses 5 through 8. Would you rather be cursed or blessed? Well, let's look at both people here now and see what happens to the one who's cursed and to the one who's blessed. It says in verse 5, it says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. This person will be like a bush in the wastelands. The message translation says, like a tumbleweed on the prairie. Basically, that means unstable, no stability. He, the person that is cursed, the person that has his trust in man, shall not even see when prosperity comes. Now, we started the year out here in 2012 talking about heavy favor. Fog, that's the forecast for 2012. What is fog? Favor is the favor of God. And we declared to you that in order for there to be continual manifestations of God's favor, there must be made continuous declaration of God's favor. Now listen, the more that you get firmly fixed in your heart about the favor of God in your life, and the grace of God opening up doors of opportunities for you, the more opportunities you'll see. See, there's something about keeping your eyes on Him that will raise your expectations of what you are believing for to come to pass. But this man who has his eyesight so hindered by looking to man, he can't even see when opportunities come. He can't even see when prosperity comes. I believe firmly in my heart that there's opportunities all around us. I believe that 2012 is a year of opportunities. But one thing that we must do to be able to see them and to seize them is not only have our eyes on Him, but expect them to happen in our lives. How many of you can testify since the beginning of the year that God has shown you favor in an area of your life? Look at those hands. How many of you can testify today to say that you've had ample opportunity for increase in your life since the beginning of the year? Look at those hands. Oh, glory to God. That's awesome. And so then it becomes our responsibility not to rely on the arm of flesh. Flesh is limited in what it can do. But our God is unlimited in what He will do for you. Man can't just get it. As good as a man might be, man does not have eternity behind him. Are you listening to me? So rely on Him. Trust in Him. And when prosperity knocks on your door, you'll say, Yes, Lord, here I am. I am a man of blessing. Amen. Now notice with me. They will not see when prosperity comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives, but blessed. Say those two words, but blessed. The word blessed is, means empowered to prosper. But empowered to prosper is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence or whose faith is in Him. 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Oh, there's something about keeping your eyes on him that'll bring the blessing to right you to, to your front door. The Bible said that whatever you do will prosper. Oh, glory to God. Notice with me, it says, it does not even see when heat comes. But the person whose confidence in the Lord is in him, it le- its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Is that you? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I like living under the blessing. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. Amen. So live under the commanded blessing of God. Now turn back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I want you to see something here that's really important. In chapter 20, verse 12 again, we notice our text. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 again says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now here's something that will happen. When you keep your eyes on him... He will give you instructions. He will show you what to do. Now, they were in the midst of a very difficult situation, but they did the right thing. They put their eyes on him, and then all of a sudden, they started getting instructions from headquarters. Look with me at verses 13 through 17. And all of Judah, everyone say all of Judah. They stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I believe this, that as families, we ought to be all standing before the Lord. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. See, there's something about focus. There's something about having our focus on Him that causes God to give us the instructions that we need to hear. Amen? He came, the Spirit of the Lord came right in the middle of the congregation. And He said, hearken all you Judah. Everyone say the word Judah means praise. Now hold on to that. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid. Very interesting. The first thing the Lord wanted their attention drawn to is to live in the no fear zone. Don't be afraid. Nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. I love this word from God. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Say that three times with me. The battle is not yours, but God. Turn to your neighbor and say, the battle is not yours, but God. Now say it this way. The battle is not mine, but it is God's. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that you can just rest in the Lord, be strong in the Lord, and let the power of His might carry you through? Now notice He gives them instructions. 
Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they'll come up by the cliff of Ziz. He's giving them specific uh, details now. And you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. He wants them to get that. See, because the tendency of the flesh is to take things into our own hands. I mean, we might as well just be honest about it. You know, if we live our life according to the flesh, we're going to get in trouble. But oh, if we're led by the Spirit of God, everything's going to be all right. I said, if we're led by the Spirit of God, everything's going to be all right. Say with me, I'm spirit led, not head led, not money led, not people led, not husband led, not wife led. I'm led by the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God. He said, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. Here's what you do need to do. Set yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Three important points here. Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not. Stand still and see what God will do. Amen. And so he goes on to say, the salvation of the Lord will be with you, O Judah, O praise and Jerusalem. Fear not, be not dismayed. Now here's what you do. Go down against them tomorrow for the Lord is going to be with you. Okay, so here's the second point in our recipe on how to remain stable in an unstable circumstance. Number two, receive the instructions from the Lord. And then number three, obey the instructions that the Lord gives you. Now, in the United States of America, turn to me to James chapter 1, verse 22. Don't you know you're blessed to be an American? And don't you know that we have more word in the United States of America than anywhere in the world? Are you listening? You know, you can go to our website and you can download just about everything we've ever taught in the last couple of years. And you know something? You can do it for free. No cost. No charge. And you know what no cost and no charge means? It means no excuse. Keith Moore, wonderful minister of the gospel, been here for many times over the course of years. You can go to his website and you can download everything Brother Moore has ever taught since he was in the ministry for free. I mean free. This past weekend, Brother Copeland preached down in uh, Branson, Missouri, And it wasn't just an hour of the word. It was hours upon hours upon hours of the word. I mean, with the internet, we are living in fat city where the word's concerned. There is no shortage of revelation available in the USA. It's out there. But it is not the amount of word that we gather. It is not the volume of word that we have in our library that will get results. 
Now, I have a large volume of word. I can listen to just about anyone I want to at my fingertips. And I believe in having a good library. But it isn't having a good library that's going to see you through your midnight hour. It's not how many seminars or Copeland Convention you've been to that's going to see you through. It's what you do with what you heard that is going to cause you to triumph in this life. Are you listening to me? You see, there's too many itching ears out here in the body of Christ. They say things like, teacher, teacher, itch my ear. Teach me what I want to hear. And the name of the game is not to get through volumes and volumes of seminars and volumes of teachings to say, oh man, I've got so much knowledge. I think an overabundance of knowledge can make you mad. If you don't do anything with what you've heard. Are you listening to me today? I'm trying to help you. It would be better to take the word of God in line upon line and be a doer of the word of God than try to take in too much and get all of this revelation without acting on it. Now in James chapter 1, notice with me in verse 22, notice. Read it with me. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Now I want us to read that again. But be doers of the word. One more time. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. What's this saying? This is saying, look, the devil doesn't even need to fool with you if all you're doing is hearing the word. Are you listening? If you know to worry and you're worrying, you're living in self-deception. If you know to live holy and you're not living holy, you're living in self-deception. But on the other hand, if you look into this perfect law of liberty and you'll stay in it and you will stay with it, not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of what you see, you will be blessed in your doing. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and I want us to look at verses 24 through 27. Say it with me. I am a doer. I am a doer. I am a doer of the Word of God. In other words, whatever you hear, do. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them. In other words, he's a doer of the Word. I will liken unto him unto a wise man which built his foundation upon a rock. The rock of revelation. The rock is Jesus, but it is also the rock of hearing what he said and doing what he said. Are you tracking with me? Notice verse 25. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew. And surely it will. The, the tragedies of life and the crisis of life come to all of us. Amen? And we don't want to turn this service into a top that tragedy testimony service. But you face things, I've faced things, we've all faced things. But what is the determining factor on whether we fall or whether we stand? Jesus tells us. The winds blew and it beat upon that house and it didn't fall for it 
was founded upon a rock. Verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, say doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now listen, friends, it was the same rain. It was the same storms. It was the same circumstance that came against both houses. But the one that stood, heard, and did. The one that fell, heard, and did not. My question for you this morning is, which one are you going to be? Which one are you going to be? So number two, they got instructions. And here's the third point that I want to show you today. Is... Once they heard those instructions, they obeyed those instructions immediately. They did what God said. And that is a major key. That's a major key in remaining stable and unshakable in an unstable world. I want you to notice this in closing. Turn with me back to 2 Chronicles 20. Notice with me in verse 20 through 25. Are you getting anything out of this today? I love this. The Bible says, and they arose early in the morning. They didn't wait till dark. They didn't sit around at the breakfast table saying, well, you think we ought to do it or not? No, they got up together. They rose and they got after it. And they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, their leader, Jehoshaphat, stood before them and said this. Hear me, O praise, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and you will prosper. Now, I took a side journey in the first service. I want to take a side journey in the second service. We must believe his true prophets. Not everyone that says they are a prophet is a prophet. And you've got to be very careful about being on TV and calling up a prophet for a word. I mean, for $10, I think you can get the minor prophet. And then for $100, you can get a word from a prophet that's, you know, a little bit higher. But if you want a prophet from the big honcho, the major prophet, it's a thousand, baby. That's not scriptural. No, thank God we can be led by the Spirit of God for ourselves. So anyway, that's a side journey. Say it's a good one, Pastor. He said, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, you'll prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, here's what he did. He appointed singers to the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now listen. Those are some unusual instructions. But the leader says, Judah, praise, I want you to go out before them. And they're just as natural as we are. I would imagine that at first their praise maybe sounded like this. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. But as they went, they started getting bolder. 
You'll discover in life, as you go, the Holy Ghost will meet you. As you go, the spirit of might will come upon you. As you go, the spirit of glory will come upon you. So first it started out, it started out as a question. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They took the next step. Well, praise him for his mercy endureth forever. And the longer they went and the further they went, the stronger they got. Praise you, Lord, for your mercy endures forever. Now, praise you, Jesus, because your mercy is it's enduring. For, now, praise you, Lord, for your mercy is enduring forever. Come on, join me. Praise the Lord for his mercy. And one more time, praise the Lord. Woo! Something happened. Something happened. The Holy Ghost came upon the scene. The spirit of Mike came upon the army. They were probably dancing. Praise the Lord for your mercy endureth forever. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. And their enemies got confused. And your enemies will get confused. They'll fall back. They'll fall out. They'll come to naught at the presence of Jehovah. And they got so confused because this wall of glory was there. They may have tried to come against them, but they came into some sort of invisible wall of glory. And they couldn't get to them. And they got so upset and so confused that they looked at each other and started snarling at each other. Their testosterone was flowing so much they started slaying one another. They started killing one another because there was confusion in the camp. Come on, somebody help me with this. You want to confuse the, you want to confuse someone that's already confused? You want to confuse them more? Praise them in your midnight hour. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Lord. And when they began to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come up against Judah. They may come against you one way, but they can never prevail against praise. They'll have to flee before you seven ways. Amen. And they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab and stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to destroy them and to slay them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. So much confusion. Listen, the recipe for success in an unstable circumstance, keep your eyes on him. Listen for his instructions. And when you get him, obey immediately. But my brothers and sisters, we read that verse over there in Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. You see, there is blessings for staying stable. There is blessing for keeping your eyes on him. There is blessing for intently listening to him. There is blessing for being a doer of the word of God. Now notice with me. Did you wear your shouting clothes today? Notice with me in verse 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people. 
came to take the spoil of them that they found. They found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering the spoil up. It was so much. Did you see that? See, the blessing was in their obedience and in the gathering up of the spoil. Listen, folks, if you will live your life and determine in your heart that you will remain stable in this economy and remain stable when you're tempted, listen, you'll have so much that you won't even have arms enough to carry the blessings of God. My Bible talks about armloads of blessing. I can hear the Holy Ghost saying, Blessed be the Lord our God, who daily loads us with benefits. Stand up to your feet, everybody. Let's lift up our voice. Let's lift up our hands and let's thank Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, stir yourself up a little bit. Oh, Rabbi yeah, I got my eyes. I got my eyes upon the Lord. I'm looking toward the hills from whence cometh my help. Oh, blessed be God. With both hands toward heaven, say this with me. Father, I thank you that you have said in your word that I can look unto you. I purpose strong in my heart to keep my eyes upon you. My trust is not in man, neither is it in the arm of the flesh. Speak to me, O God. I am your servant. I will heed, I will hear, and I will do. I will obey the instructions of the Lord. You said in your word, if you be willing and obedient. That I could eat the good of the land. You said in your word if I would obey you. And I would serve you. That I could spend my years. In prosperity. In all of my days. In great pleasure. It is your pleasure. To give me. The kingdom of God. I am a doer of the word. I declare. I am stable in an unstable time. Now let's give him praise for it. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. More than you can carry away. Why is that? Because our God's more than enough. He's more than enough. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. You know, I'm firmly, firmly established in this fact that not everyone that comes to church is saved. You know, you can come to church for years and years. And that doesn't mean you're a Christian. You can come to church out of habit. You can come to church out of obedience to your parents. And then later in life, you'll have these doubts. I don't know whether I'm saved or not. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came that you might have a no-so salvation. You see, he's the God of your grandmother, 
He might be the God of your grandfather, but is he your God? I'm a firm believer that there are people in local churches today, maybe even serving in the church that aren't saved. Listen, friend, if you cannot put your head down on the pillow at night and know for a fact that if this world was to end, that you would immediately be in the presence of God, you need Jesus in your heart today. And then I'm a firm believer that there's too much instability in the body of Christ. And I don't believe in condemning people, but I do believe in telling the truth. A lot of people's instability comes from just coming to church to be entertained and absolutely not having the intention of ever doing anything with it. You see, life in God is meant to be awesome. There's too much teetering back and forth and up and down and on the fence and off the fence and one day in, one day out. God wants your life to be stable. Too much wrestling with the same old sins. Listen, when Jesus comes into your heart and you make a commitment to Him, there ought to be a change in your life. There ought to be a big difference. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and saints are in an attitude of prayer, I know that we're going to Worship the Lord with our finances in a moment. But this is very, very important. Matter of fact, the most important part of this whole service. I'm going to ask all of you to raise your hands in just a few moments that want to receive Jesus. Or you want to recommit or reconnect your life with God. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you all to raise your hands. Are you ready? One, two, and three. Go ahead and raise your hand all over this auditorium. You want to reconnect with the Lord? You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? All over this auditorium. Before you can put your hands down, step out into the aisle and make your way to the front. Let's give them a big hand as they come. Amen. Hallelujah.